Everybody likes to be the superhero leader. And my big takeaway is that style of superheroic leadership is not sustainable in the long run. So ideally, we'd like leaders not to be superhero leaders, but to create superhero teams. Right? That was Syed Asfar Hussain, who leads the Group Learning Academy at Bajaj FinServe. This academy focuses on leadership development, culture building, and change management for all the Bajaj FinServe group companies. Previously, Asfar worked as a CHRO for Zense Technologies. LeaderCast is a podcast series by ISB Executive Education. This podcast features prominent business executives who are redefining functions and industries and what it means to lead in an era of accelerated change. Through this podcast, you would gain deeper insights into leadership, business, technology, and more in order to stay ahead of competition. Good afternoon, Aswar. It's a real pleasure having you at ISB. And we are uh, in an engagement with the company. We are organizing uh, an executive education program for Bajaj FinServe. So it's a real pleasure. Uh, welcome again. And I look forward to an engaging conversation with you today, Aswar. Thank you, Garima. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been coming to ISB now more or less for 18 years, I think. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. So, Aswar, in your current uh, job role, in your, your organization is operating in a very complex environment and complexities because of internal factors and also external factors. Internal factors being your diversity in the, in the kind of products that you have, the market that you operate in, and externally because of, you know, you being in a hyper-competitive space, and also digital is playing a big part. You know, a lot of companies are coming who have a completely digitally enabled process. So how do you think leadership evolving in this space? And prior to the leadership involvement, I would also like to understand what do you think keeps you successful in this hyper competitive environment? So Garma, I think uh, you're right in the sense that uh, the financial services space is more prone or more impacted by changes in technology because as you know our competitors now are not just the traditional players in the financial services space but also players in the technology space who are slowly entering financial services whether it's through payments most of the technology firms as you know have their own payment gateways or payment apps so uh, and therefore the term fintech i guess because it's now a a combination of the two. So I think what helps the organization be successful is an external focus in terms of understanding what technologies are out there, what kind of impact they're likely to have on the business model, whether it's in the banking space or whether it's an insurance space or whether it's just in the, the asset management space or you know securities trading space. And the second, I think, is... So one is the knowledge of what's likely to impact. And secondly, I think, is the speed at which we're able to implement, I think, which is where our execution excellence, I think, comes into play. I think if you ask analysts or if you ask industry observers, they'll tell you that what differentiates this organization from others is its uh, ability to execute. So I think that's uh, what keeps us successful. Sure, Aswar. So you spoke about execution, you know, your Bajaj FinServe has been a great executor. 
But now we see the mindset shifting from execution really to planning because unless you plan, unless you are prepared for the upcoming changes which you can see and also some of them which you cannot see. So how do you, uh, you know, how do you empower your leaders to be to being so agile, keeping their ears on the ground and also then being very adaptive and very resilient to changes? So E, I think... Uh Processes in the organization, I think, ensure that people stay agile. Uh, we've got very you know, robust and very rigorous processes. And I think that drives people to ensure that they stay one step ahead of the curve, uh, whether it's understanding uh, what's happening in, with the customers, so kind of deep interaction or extensive interaction with customers to get deep insights into their preferences, and then coming up with products and services that uh, that meet the requirements or the evolving requirements of the customers. So that's one. Uh, the second, as I mentioned earlier, is how we leverage technology in deploying those products and services. Thirdly, I think it's uh, you know operational efficiency. I think the organization is very good at operational efficiency. So I think a combination of being very customer-centric uh, leveraging technology and being operationally very sound, I think, are the three key areas that ensure that people, uh, the leaders and their teams stay a little ahead of the game. Sure. Uh, so, Aswar, how does a typical day look like in your work life at Finserv? So, as you can imagine, it's a lot of meetings and a lot of calls, uh, followed towards the end by catching up with all the mail. So, it's a rather boring day, I'm afraid. Uh, the, I think the the role at a group level, so you know, I lead what's known as a group learning academy at uh, Mijaj Finserv, and this is my second experience of handling a group level role. Uh, I used to be with RPG earlier. And I think what differentiates a group level role from an operating company level role is the amount of stakeholder alignment that you need to do. For example, we have eight companies, uh, all of which think they're rather unique. And you need to create some level of common minimum agenda in which all of them buy in, only then can you execute anything at the group level. Otherwise, uh, you know, you can't. And especially when we are as federated a, a group as we are, so every company has complete independence to pursue what they think is best suited to help them achieve their plans. So creating that common agenda and executing against that common agenda is the challenge at a group level. And therefore, my day is spent trying to get this alignment. So that's really that's really it. Sure, I can completely understand the challenges that you would be going through every day. And as far you have a very interesting, very rich industry diversity in your experience in the talent and OB space. So do you come across certain common leadership enablers and derailers, which is which you feel is common across industry? Yes. Yeah, so. I'm a big believer that uh, leadership is industry agnostic. Uh, so, and I think in this, I'm in a bit of a minority because if you see how search firms uh, handle searches for senior level roles, they usually look for people who have been in the same industry. My own experience, so I started off in the aluminum industry, which is a heavy metals industry, then transitioned to, uh, so I was with a company called Alcan, uh, so India's operations. And then I was with Hewlett Packard, which was uh, technology services. 
And then I went to Deloitte, which was professional services. And I worked with Flextronics, which was high-tech manufacturing and supply chain. And then with Zensar, which was part of the RPG group, which was IT services, then transitioned to the group level role where we had, you know, industries from plantations to infrastructure to, you know, automotive to pharmaceutical, uh, electrical, and now, of course, financial services. So my takeaway in all this has been that the essence of leadership remains the same across all industries. And the reason for that is when you talk about leadership, Popularly, the three kind you know, leadership at three levels, right? So there's self leadership, there's you know team leadership, and there's organizational leadership. So what changes when you move from one industry to another is really the the organization or the industry leadership bit. And if you're a decently intelligent person, it takes about six months to a year to understand the industry. So it's not rocket science. I think the tougher part is the self leadership part, right? Because what will help you be a good leader to a large extent depends on your ability to be self-aware and to self-regulate. Social awareness, social regulation, which is really your EQ. So that EQ part is the toughest part. Then comes the team leadership part, which is you know how you engage with your team. And I think there, the two things that I found uh, across industries that work are being authentic and uh, enabling trust. So if you do these things well across industries, you're likely to be a good leader. So, it's, so, so in fact, so my biggest takeaway from reading about leadership research, engaging in leadership research, being a practicing leader, and of course, organizing programs for leadership development, is that the essence of leadership is rather simple. It's just a practice that stuff. Uh, sure, uh, as far you've kind of, uh, you know, also preempted the next, uh, you know, conversation point that I was coming to, I was going to talk about emotional intelligence, because that's something that sets leaders apart. We find a lot of technically sound people in the ecosystem, but what sets uh, leaders apart is really the emotional intelligence. Is there any uh, further angle you think, which is there to set leaders apart? So in fact, uh, you know, I was earlier sitting through the program that Professor Sindhwani is conducting for Vajaj Finsev leaders, and she spoke about the various archetypes of leadership, including the hero leader, or the heroic leader. And my favorite term for that is, uh, especially given how the Marvel Universe has enveloped all of us, is the superhero leader. So, you know, everybody likes to be the superhero leader. And my big takeaway is that superhero leaders or that style of superheroic leadership is not sustainable in the long run. So ideally, we'd like leaders not to be superhero leaders, but to create superhero teams. Right? And usually, if you're a superhero leader, the chances of you creating a superhero team is rather limited because it's mostly all about you. So, so the ability to kind of not make it for a leader to not make it all about herself or himself and to kind of focus on the team i think is key so as far you you've been uh, you know uh, and i'm really inspired by your by your very calm and composed demeanor what do you think keeps you that way and what do you think uh, you know motivates you to get up and go to work every day 
So if you were to ask my children about my calm and composed demeanor, they'd be asking you what, 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 you know. Uh, so, I think, so I think all the calm and composure kind of disappears when I'm with them, I guess. See, I think another key, I think, is that you, know, you shouldn't take yourself too seriously, right? See, organizations are large entities. They were there before you and they're likely to be there after you leave. So don't think that you're about to change an organization. I mean, you will, everybody will bring about some change in the area of operation that they're in, for sure. But organizations are usually quite, uh, you know, resilient. You know, if you leave an organization, it's not going to collapse the next day. So uh, if you don't take yourself too seriously, I think, uh, you know, you'll save yourself a lot of uh, heartburn over the years. And, uh, you know, yeah, kind of maintain a sense of humor about yourself. Of course, reading P.G. Woodhouse will help. So I strongly recommend to everyone that please read P.G. Woodhouse. It helps you develop a good sense of humor. And if you haven't read of P.G. Woodhouse, then I'm afraid your education has been incomplete. Please Google him uh, and read some of his books. Thanks, Aswar. That has been a great, insightful uh, conversation with you. But before we go, what is that one last take on good leadership from your side to us? So, Garma, I think one test of a good leader is what impact that the person has when he, he or she walks into a room. If the energy levels in that room rise, I think it means that person's a good leader. However, if the room goes silent or, you know, people are looking up to the leader for answers, I think it's a sign that, you know, the leader is not such a great leader. Uh, and the reason for that is that when people are energized, it means that they are possibly likely to be contributing at their maximum, right? If people go silent and are looking up to the leader, it means that they are not really contributing to their full potential. Uh, which basically means that the team is probably not uh, contributing or working at full potential. And the sign of a good leader is the ability to get a team to perform beyond levels that they thought was possible. And that's only likely if the energy levels really rise. So if people start talking, if there's laughter, there's, you know, uh, banter in the team, you know, uh, everybody's contributing uh, to the discussion. That, I think, is the sign of a good leader. Thanks, Aswar. Um, are you in for a quick uh, rapid fire? Maybe sure. a couple of questions. Sure, happy to. <laughs> so, Aswar, what is it that you're currently reading or listening to or following? And I'm asking this because these days people are consuming knowledge from each and every corner in every format. So, what I'm reading is actually, on one hand, I'm reading an Agatha Christie book, called Lord Edgeware Dies. So last few days I've been taking multiple flights. So that's my flight reading. And otherwise, I'm actually reading a book by a colleague of mine called Prasad Kurian, who's written a very nice book on uh, paradoxes and dilemmas in organizations. So uh, worth a read. Thanks. Thanks so much as well. So in, in your career, what is that one thing that you credit yourself with doing with a job as a job well done as well? So, so I think since 2003, so it's been yeah, about 19 years now, you know, I've led multiple teams, mostly in the area of, you know, learning and development, 
organizational development, talent management across organizations. And during that time, there have been a lot of you know, young professionals who've come into the teams. And I think my greatest accomplishment really has been in engaging with them and mentoring them over the years. And uh, I'm very happy to see that a lot of them uh, lead these functions or lead HR uh, in a lot of very renowned organizations. So, so that really kind of, uh, obviously a lot, you know, the primary reason why they are where they are is because of them. But I think I like to feel, or I like to flatter myself that I had some role to play. No, definitely, Aswa. You you emanate a lot of positive energy, lots lot of inspiring energy. So thank you so much for that. And uh, thanks for this very engaging conversation today. It was a real pleasure and a lot of learning for me. Thank you very much, Garima, for your kind and generous words. And it was a pleasure answering your very well thought through questions. Thank you.